you can now hear Movie Heaven Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favourite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favourite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers that enjoy discussing and analysing movies and related media. And for this podcast extra edition, we're pleased to welcome back a friend and returning guest, filmmaker and science fiction fan, Alex Brunning. So welcome back, Alex. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. <laughs> good, good. Very, very good. <laughs> well, we're pleased to have you back. Um, we've uh, we've been talking for some time amongst ourselves about doing an episode about all things Battlestar Galactica related, um, and well, sadly, this has been prompted because. Uh, in the last week, we had the sad passing of uh, Richard Hatch, who um, actually played Captain Apollo in the original Battlestar Galactica series and went on to be the only actor to also appear in, as Tom Zarek in the reimagined series and was involved very much with the project of Battlestar Galactica in between, which we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll come to. But... Um, so a bit of a sad occasion. Uh, it's you, you kind of know that you're approaching middle age when all of your sort of childhood heroes start to die. <laughs> and if 2016 wasn't bad enough with that, losing, you know, people from film, television, music, etc., then, uh, you know, sadly, uh, 2017 has, has started that way. But we felt um, he died age 71 of pancreatic cancer. And we felt that, uh, you know, in, in order to sort of honour his memory, as it were, um, you know, that would be a good sort of starting off point for us to uh, to talk about Battlestar Galactica, which some of you may be saying, well, that's strictly not movie and your movie heaven, movie hell. But of course, it was re released theatrically in Europe and uh, other territories. So it kind of sort of is move a movie as well. <laughs> yeah yeah it was released as direct competition for uh the actual stuff star wars fan because it was such a surprising success absolutely quite amazing um but they they re-edited and released it what a few months wasn't it after star wars was released um 
which is quite a feat considering that they shot it for TV originally. So, well, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, this was obviously this was the brainchild of of, of Glenn A. Larson, which uh, was which again, regular listeners would know we we've we've often mentioned him as a sort of uh, uh, reference point, a touchstone point. Um, while we were all sort of growing up, um, you know, he really was the sort of king of, of, of television drama in the 70s and 80s. Um, and, you know, was very successful in that period. Uh, he often got, you know, he, he got branded. I mean, we lost him a few years back, but he, he got branded um, sort of Glenn A. Larceny by a lot of uh, people in the fact that what he would do, often do is take uh, successful movie ideas and turn them into a, you know, a, a television series format. Um, you know, he, he, he did that with various things across his career. But, um, you, you know, obviously, obviously Battlestar Galactica, um, I always thought was one of his stronger uh, pieces of work and, and has sort of lasted the test of time better than, than some of his other stuff. Um, but of course, it was the most expensive uh, television series at the time uh, being produced. And, y y you know, bearing in mind, we're talking late 70s here. And this had a, a budget of a, a million dollars per episode, which, you know, may, may not sound like much nowadays. But back in the, you know, uh, nearly 40 years ago, um, that was that was quite something. So, of course, it was a very expensive show as well. Definitely. I mean, it's you just look at the actual list of our uh, of cast members. If you you know take away some of the uh, the actual stars who became stars of the series, you know the Wilfred Hyde Whites and other celebrity names that he got on board that um, probably cost him a fortune. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not to not to mention the fact that he he did the really smart thing of hiring uh, John Dystra to do the. Uh, which were then, of course, optical um, and motion control and uh, composite visual effects. And of course, Dijkstra was was famous. Well, he still is very famous for being an effects guy in Hollywood now. But at the time, he had obviously worked with George Lucas uh, on the original Star Wars film. And of course, you know that that became somewhat controversial because, of course, um, Larson did indeed. Uh, he used Ralph McQuarrie as a concept artist for this, who, of course, was was the concept artist George Lucas used for, for Star Wars. And um, obviously he used many of the same effects, special effects techniques, etc. So, of course, it was always branded as a little bit of a, um, a Star Wars knockoff. Uh, and of course, um, 20th Century Fox and Lucasfilm, they did actually try and sue Universal at the time uh, for this, but of course, um, Universal countersued saying that, you know, they'd previously had success with the film Silent Running, which, um, you know, the, the, the Ron uh, Trumbull film, which uh, featured, of course, Huey, Dewey and Louie, you know, the, the, the robots in that and, and said, you know, if you want to be like that, we could say that R2-D2 is in fact, a, you know, a, a, a rip off of that. So, so ultimately, um, you know, Fox lost that particular battle, but uh, it still, you know, didn't ultimately, you know, ultimately end up in the series getting cancelled <laughs> after just one season. Um, yeah, it was very short-lived in some respects. 
Mm. I mean, before we before we sort of get into it, what are you from your guys' point of view? I mean, we always like our little memory lane trips. Um, you know, we we all sort of grew up in the same generation, I guess. But what what are what are your sort of early memories of you know the original Battlestar Galactica and how did you sort of uh, come to discover it and get connected with it? Well, for me, it was uh, on video, um, watching the uh, original, what, what we, we thought was a feature, but the uh, the, the pilot two-parter, uh, seeing that on video, and then seeing um, like the other two-parters you know, put together as movies, like um, Mission Galactica, The Cylon Attack, which was the two-part episode, The Living Legend, the one where... Um, uh, they discover the Battlestar Pegasus, and they do the the attack on the um, on that uh, big laser gun, and you know, remember seeing that, and then seeing uh, again on video was uh, Galactica nineteen eighty. Seen that on yep. VHS, yes, <laughs> with the, the the flying bikes and everything, and uh, going back in time, and their uniforms becoming white, and all of that, and then and then BBC Two ran the entire series on there, um, and ITV ran Galactica nineteen eighty. So you in the summer you would have like Galactica nineteen eighty on in the morning, weekday mornings during the summer. And then BBC Two would run it at their 6pm slot, which used to be their sci-fi their sci slot, where they used to have Star Trek and Buck Rogers. And mm -hmm. in the mid-90s, they I think that was the last time they re-ran it on BBC Two. And I was, I was working like a night security job where I had access to a TV. And I just would remember watching that all the time you know, at 6 p.m., uh, you know, watching all the episodes. And I think was, I think I'm right in saying that was the first time they actually run them in proper order. Because I think with, uh, before that point, they were kind of all over the place. Yeah, they, they, they will. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. Uh, what, what about for you, Alex? <laughs> I, th I think my first sort of exposure to Battlestar Galactica was uh, um, actually before they released Star Wars. Because uh, Larson actually uh, uh, released um, a book version of part of the story um, before um, they had gone to uh, full production for the TV series. So I remember reading um, some of the Battlestar Galactica story before seeing Star Wars, but you know, Star Wars sort of blew that out of the water, as in film wise. But no, I remember uh, its first screening. Um, a friend of mine, uh, used to get uh, videos from uh, the US on Betamax. So it was the first time I watched them all, I suppose, in all of them had to come was uh, from copies from the US, um, which was probably 1980. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think Battlestar Galactica was just more accessible, wasn't it? It was just one of those, because there's no darkness to it, there's no deep stories, there's no... Um, you know, you have the mythology in the background, you know, that they try to set up at the beginning, uh, you know, the lost tribes. Um, and that's about it. So the rest of it, it's sort of, you know, it's a Western in space. It's blood and guts. It's, you know, um, romping around adventure, which was always, this is great. 
I mean, for the time, it was just, I mean, you had Star Trek, which seems far more, you know, the reruns of Star Trek have seemed far more serious and far more, <laughs> which is quite an amazing thing to say, really, isn't it? The original Star Trek series seeming <laughs> serious. But, um, yeah, no, the, the Battlestar was fun. I mean, they were fun characters, and you didn't have to think about the story, you know? It was just a romp. Um, yeah. Let's say, no, it comes from a... a uh, a dark place. I mean, they're they're on the run because their whole civilization's been destroyed in this, you know, Armageddon. And there, there's some incredibly dark moments. I mean, especially in the pilot, especially with yeah. um, when they find uh, Carillon, that planet that they have to go for the minefield to get to, and these bug creatures that run the place. They're actually using the, you know the colonials, uh, colonials as food, as a food source. Oh, no, definitely. But the, the thing with Battlestar, I think the original series, is uh, um, nobody cared. Uh, unless, <laughs> you know, uh, a, major character, a major character died, which was pretty rare. Yeah. You know, you had uh, uh, Apollo's brother, Zach, dies. Yes. In the beginning. And you just think, well, basically... Five minutes after it happens, they're on to something else. I always thought that was that was one of the things that I I loved about the series. You know that it was just it was you know like reading Boyd's own manual. You know the the story just humped along. You know and there was no thinking about it. You know it was like you know oh we've lost half our half our armed forces on this this new planet and you know all these people have been killed stuff like that all right we've escaped hooray everybody cheers and has a party it's like <laughs> it was quite bizarre but it was very nice it, it was easy it was light i think as yeah as as a child uh you know you you don't i don't think you would stop and think well why isn't that man upset that his son just died but uh, <laughs> having having rewatched it recently it is kind of weird that that, that you know that these things happen so you know zach gets killed his son he, and uh, adama doesn't shed a tear uh <laughs> you know the the fleet gets destroyed he, he's not <laughs> that bothered uh you know uh the co- the colonies are destroyed his family's you know his wife is killed he's still not bothered you know, this is this is a man who's taking some well, powerful drugs because he he doesn't shed a tear yeah. at all, which is so bizarre. To, to be fair to it, though, um, in the theatrical release, you're right; they don't they don't show much sort of tear shedding. But in the actual series episodes that it comes from, there is a lot more of that. Stuff. Not it's not just as much. Not massively as, abridged. No, no, I, I that's that's the version I watched, and apart from um, the daughter um trying to think what her her name athena. is athena athena was yeah. the only one who really got upset and um but even then it was kind of like you know soon later she was just chasing after starbuck it's true. half naked in the change in the uh the crew changing uh um, yeah which i found hysterically watching it last time i watched it um very bizarre no he does get upset once though um, even in the, uh, I mean, because it's uh, um, is it the, the second part of the TV mm-hmm. series um, where he recounts uh, um, being on the planet or back on Caprica and uh, this what happened to this woman and this child that nobody took as guards pushed them away and you know he seemed really upset about that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really upset. <laughs> you know, it's, it's quite bizarre. Um, but you know, it's just, it was of the times, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah. You had directors and uh, um, writers 
and producers that have worked on our, um, you know, the Westerns that they've been making, you know, and they had that same mentality, you know, that's, yeah. a, that's where, the, you know, the crews came from, from making these for TV, you know, it's, it's quite, it's quite interesting to look at, you know, we, I think everybody always wanted to see Westerns in space, didn't they? I mean, that was always a big thing. And you look at Galactica, the original one, and that's what it sort of was, really. Um, well, I mean, it, it truly was. They, you know, they used to call a Star Trek sort of wagon train to the stars. But th th this kind of literally was, you know, with it with its ragtag fleet and, and, yeah, no, and, and that sort of thing. I mean, for, for me, I kind of, you know, when, when it when it first came out, I was obviously, you know, I was pretty young uh, at the time. And I remember... Um, as we often say on these sort of things, it was always the posters were the sort of first things I could remember because the comic books and, um, you know, Star Wars Weekly and, and all that sort of thing, they always used to have on the back covers the posters for these these theatrical um, versions. And um, I remember, uh, like you, Simon, I, I saw... I originally saw the, the 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 movie, the Battlestar Galactica movie, which was actually um, it, it was made into a two-hour movie from essentially a, a three-episode pilot called Saga of a Star World, and yes. so it was kind of there was there was kind of fifteen twenty minutes um, uh, taken out of it to make it into into a feature. But I remember seeing that on on um, VHS very early on, on on the rental stuff. And then um, when I was really, really young, I, I saw, um, again, on VHS, Mission Galactica, the Cylon attack, which, as you already said, was, was made up of the living, Le living legend part one and two, and also an episode called Fire in Space, uh, which they kind of, again, very poorly actually edited together into this movie. But I remember being really confused um, because... In the theatrical version of the, the, the first movie, Baltar is actually beheaded by the Cylons as being a, a traitor. Okay, And at, at the end, you see the Imperious leader and the base star um, destroy the when Carillon explodes. Right. So when I saw Mission Galactica, the Cylon attack, I was really confused because you know, we had the imperious leader in this and Baltar was 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 a, a sort of he was the main antagonist in this series, in, in this feature. And I thought that's really odd. You know, the, the continuity is all over the place here. And I was really confused by that. And obviously this was before I understood about how, you know, TV series and, and stuff got got sort of re-edited into, um, you, you know, um, films for for home video. And it wasn't until, I guess it was the mid-80s, and I think, as you said, BBC started showing them um, in the sort of early 90s, that I ever saw the sort of full versions of the series in its order. And it obviously made sense because there was an epilogue where Baltar was taken to the imperious leader Mark II, you know, the, the, the predecessor to the previous, and he was spared... And, you know, his mission was to, uh, you know, go and find the Galactica, etc. So suddenly it all seemed a lot more joined up. And, um, y you know, I got really into it at that point, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking the same thing, because in the movie, you know, he 
he's executed and then next thing you know in the TV series, he's alive and he's in charge of a base star. Now, I always thought that the Cylons had sort of, um, I don't know, reanimated his, his body or something or had taken on his look because he was always shot the same way as the uh, Imperial leader was, you know, from down below with the light coming up and his arms, you know, in that pos- position that he's, you know, whatever chair he was sitting in made him rest his elbows quite high up, you know, just to make him look sinister. So I always thought that the Cylons had used uh, Boltar's body or mind or whatever just to, you know, in a different form. So, yeah, it was it was kind of confusing and it wasn't until, you know, seeing the full pilot that uh, I realised that uh, Boltar was alive and well. Yeah, and I mean, that was some years later. That was literally years later. And in the meantime, um, they also, which was an even bigger mess, is they made a uh, a VHS um, movie release, uh, which I believe also got shown theatrically um, in a few places, um, based on Galactica 1980. And they called it Conquest of the Earth. And the reason this was such a mess is where the other two had been taken from essentially three 45-minute episodes sort of edited edited into, into a two-hour movie, um, Conquest of the Earth actually was five uh, episodes that they'd condensed down into this TV movie length. And, um, you know, it took elements from the three-part uh, where, where Galactica actually finds Earth and also um, a two-part episode called The Night the Cylons Landed. But to even confuse things further, they even took a scene of Baltar from the original series and edited that in and changed dialogue. Um, so it was a real, it was, it was an absolute mess and made no sense whatsoever. And again, they never actually broadcast those on the BBC until the early 90s. So it was it was a long time. Well, I, I don't did did they show them on BBC? I've, I'm sh- I always saw them on ITV. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure BBC never showed Galactica 1980. I I believe the BBC only had Battlestar Galactica and ITV had Galactica 1980. Quite possibly, I, I think on terrestrial, I think ITV might have had it first, and then BBC um showed it much later and of course you ended up seeing more sort of complete versions on the bbc because they weren't sort of editing for um the um for commercial time and all that sort of thing but um but uh you know i was a even though they only made 24 episodes of um uh battlestar galactica and then i think it was about 10 episodes of of galactica 1980 but Battlestar Galactica itself, I was I was a massive fan of, even though you know I'm, I'm also, of course, as we've as we've talked about, a massive fan of um, Star Wars, and a lot of you know Star Wars fans were real haters of Battlestar Galactica. But um, you, you know, Glenn Larson had actually this this had developed from an idea he had before Star Wars called Adam's Ark, and the idea of that was it was about a um, uh, a, a colony of planets that was um, basically, y- you know, annihilated, as we see in this. You know, they're, they're, there's a holocaust and, and they're wiped out by the Cylons. And um, instead of 
it, it was the other way around. Instead of them uh, going out searching for Earth, I think they... I'm just trying to think what it was. It was a bit more of an exploration. It was a bit more like, um, uh, you, you know, Star Trek, where they where they were going to sort of um, not find somewhere to be a new home, but uh, uh, they were going to find people who had already sort of fleed or whatever, which which is sort of the same thing. And um, uh, but but you know, it, it was it was interesting. I mean, I you know, Glenn Larson had always. When you look at that that season of Battlestar, most of them are two-part episodes. And the reason being is his sort of forte was always sort of writing in that 90-minute TV movie format. Um, he'd done so previously for the $6 million man. And um, all of the sort of television pilots that he produced were always that sort of 90-minute length rather than the 45. So uh, if you actually look at Galactica. Most of the episodes, there are a few standalone ones, uh, some of which were written by Don Belisario as well was involved in this. But um, most of the ones Glenn Larson was actually involved in the writing of were were designed to be a series of TV movies um, before uh, ABC or NBC or who, whichever network had it decided to uh, to sort of go with this weekly format. So it, it, it's quite it's quite interesting, but I, I do think that those those shows were really strong, and um, obviously Galactica nineteen eighty, even though it had kind of a third of the budget or whatever, but it, it really showed by the time you got to that, and that was a real real kind of letdown as a as a follow up series, which uh, which I think most people just try and forget really. <laughs> yes, most people blank it. You have to remind them. Yes. It was unfortunate, um, but I think it's like a lot of a lot of series in the U.S. You know, it got canned, and uh, was it ABC rolling it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, it was ABC. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they got slammed for it by the viewers, saying, "We want it back. We want it back." You know, um, and they have to come yes. back with something much cheaper, which was what what Galactica eighty essentially was. Um, and, and you know, it was less interesting because it was less about you know. Um, searching for earth and more about trying to integrate into it um <laughs> yeah remember that they probably dismantled most of the sets by then so they were limited in what they could actually do i presume this is true this is why you never saw the bridge instead they they used to make all of the uh scenes between um commander adama and and then colonel boomer the only other one apart from boxy who had sort of survived um they, 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 they always set the scenes in uh, Adama's quarters rather than on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Handy, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, for, for th these were things that, as a, as a kid, uh, you know, again, we always talk about the VHS things, but the, the original series, when it was run on, um, uh, on, on terrestrial TV, was the sort of thing that I used to record the episodes. And literally watched them over and over and over again i mean i was i was really into it and really quite obsessed with it and um it was really weird because for a lot long time you couldn't other than the the movie cuts you couldn't actually get the series on home video okay and it was really weird because in the sort of late 90s they did actually release it on vhs and it was really odd what they decided to do because um, I went and bought 
like the box set of it and a lot of the titles were not the titles of the episodes and i was like you know this is this is really weird what's happened and what they'd actually done is and again this was apparently i've done more research this was quite popular um for syndication packages i believe they also did this with the planet of the apes tv series is they would re-edit episodes into what they called telefilms, which again were sort of, they would fill a two hour afternoon slot that you could run for, you, you know, uh, a six week period or a 12 week period. But what they'd done is they, they'd edited episodes together um, really badly, yeah, with loads of ADR uh, dubbing and stuff. And they turned them into these TV movies, but you know, the continuity was all over the place because they would edit some that were late in the in the season with with episodes that were early. And suddenly, you, you know, you had all, all these sort of terrible glaring continuity errors and, and, and stuff. And I thought that was really bizarre that they they released that. And um, it's one of those few when we talked about what what VHS tapes have we kept. I've actually kept that box set simply because I don't think that those versions are, are available at all. <laughs> and uh, having watched them, I can see why. But uh, I just wanted to keep them out of interest. Um, but then, of course, eventually they, they released it on DVD. And, and, and uh, a year or so ago, they, they finally went ahead and uh, remastered it and put them in 16.9 and uh, released them on Blu-ray as, 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 as a special package, which, um, which is really, really rather nice um so uh so yes i'm pleased to be an owner of that <laughs> but um but yeah i was i was really i was really into it and uh really loved it a lot actually um and even though there wasn't as much material as as there was with say star trek for example um you know it was still from my perspective a kind of seminal um sci-fi television show while i was growing up and and you know while i was a kid uh, and, and an adolescent and even into teenage you know really 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 loved all of that stuff um uh interestingly as well um it, it's on youtube it's quite quite good they they've actually somebody uh that i believe was involved in the the remastered star trek editions that they did for for blu-ray um has actually edited a scene from the living legend uh it's if you go into youtube and put in battlestar galactica living legend project uh basically it's a four minute scene um and it's the scene where um galactica's blue squadron and pegasus silver spar squadron go on a mission to get these cylon fuel tankers because they they need they need fuel badly to keep going um, but of course, Commander Kane, played by Lloyd Bridges, has got his own ideas and actually decides to destroy the tankers so that they have to go on this mission to a to a planet uh, to sort of conquer this 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 Cylon outpost. And um, it's it's quite interesting because in the original uh, episode, they obviously because of these these special effects, which were really expensive and really good, but there were only so many shots that were produced for the um, for the the three hour pilot they used to obviously recycle the footage quite a bit for the episodes and this is one of the things it was always criticized for 
and essentially the 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 tankers was taken from um a scene uh from the original pilot called saga of a star world where they where they go through some cloud cover to find these cylon tankers so of course there was a lot of reused footage but what they've done in this um in this scene that they've got on youtube is they've actually much like they've they've done with the star trek tv series they they've taken the original footage of all of the actors and and the story and the music and they they've made no changes to the plot whatsoever but all the external visual effects and the views through the viper cockpits etc they've they've added new cgi um uh you know, using all the same designs and everything. And it really works. It's really quite exciting. They've done a really good job of the scene. And I thought, oh, it's a shame that they couldn't have got funding to do that for the entire series because it really would bring a new lease of life for, to it, much as I love the original effects. It's just really cool to see that. So if you get a chance, um, and any listeners that, that haven't fallen asleep by me talking already, um, if you go on to uh, YouTube and, and put in Battlestar Galactica Living Legend Project, they've got that um, that four minute scene, uh, as I said, with the with the um, newly created visual effects. And it is quite impressive. One of the things that's quite interesting about that though, is the, the one thing that always drew me to Battlestar Galactica was its production design. You know, it was the thought that went into its production design, you know, having elements of, you know, Egyptian uh, um, the, you know, the Egyptian styling. Oh, know. absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, they, they haven't, don't get me wrong. They've not changed. They've not changed any of the design. They've just replaced the model special effects with, oh, no, no, with CG, but they've, they've kept all of the design elements of the Viper craft and the Cylon Raiders and the Galactica think, and all that I stuff. Think, I don't think that side of it can be improved upon, can it? I think the actual, the actual original design work that was done on uh, Battlestar was fantastic. You know, the, the actual Bastard Galactica is a fantastic design in itself. You yeah. know, the uh, Vipers are an amazing, an amazing uh, um, concept. You know, that works really well and is believable, which is fabulous. Um, you know, launch tubes to actually uh, uh, take them off a ship. You know, all these ideas, you know. It's, I know, I, I always enjoyed it. I, I love the way that the, uh, the flight crews would get to the launch bays on those, you know, those little trains that are all standing up on. You know, it's fabulous. <laughs> The famous idea, but you know, all things taken from you know American military. You know, it's um, ideas about how do you move people around, how do you how do you actually run a battleship, which was quite. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, a crossover with aircraft carrier, but you know, it's uh, well. That, well, that was the good thing. They kind of took this sort of military aspect and 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 you know made made it sci-fi and and whatever. But at the same time, as you already alluded to, they also sort of took the egyptian and aztec and mayan uh, mythologies and sort of incorporated that into everything from the you know from the costume design to the the buildings on the planets and you know all of that sort of thing and i think that's one of the one of the uh things that they did really well and i think that still holds up today even when you watch them watch them now i think you, you know that that attention to detail and and the production design and the costume design yeah. and the props and all that still and really goes, work. Goes for the the Cylon Centurions as well. Uh, that yes. was such a, you know how do how do we make people look like robots? Let's just cover them with big plasticky chrome looking stuff. And but they didn't. They actually worked really hard at it. You know yeah. the uh, 
the actual uh, uh, helmet design was based around the uh, the gladiator's helmet from uh, you know sort of uh, um, early AD Rome. You know yeah. what they designed them uh, to look like. I mean, everything was sort of you know somebody had put a huge amount of thought into actually uh, um, creating something that actually held together that worked that looked yeah. good. You know, and whoever came up with the actual moving eye, it was just, you know, the, the moving red eye is just, you know, it's, it's this classic concept. It is. Yeah, but, no, I, I, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, you, you know, all, all of that, all of that attention to detail is really good. And of course, you know, that's one of the things you mentioned earlier, the, the novelizations, um, which, which, you know, Larson sort of put his name to as along with a with a ghost writer i think was called um robert thurston or somebody and um but some of some of the some of the uh you know some of the concepts were a tad different like in that the the cylons were actually um uh, a race of reptiles that that had had you know that armor added to their body as sort of cybernetic implants which of course is something they 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 changed for the series and made it that uh you know the the robots had, had taken over and evolved from the from the um, lizard all, creatures that that, that actually created them. Then again, who was the commanders? You know, you you have the commanders saying I'm thinking they never really approached that. You know, it's always a vague image, not a a great image. Were this reptile still alive? That was always one of the things that I found quite interesting about it. You know, yeah. series developed, they sort of got rid of it, and it just had Baltar with his uh, uh, his handler. Who's, what was the name of that? Oh, Lucifer. Lucifer, that was it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah Lu- Lucifer was quite a fun character. <laughs> so was Baltar from the original series. He was, you know, he was larger than life, ridiculous, changing at whim. Um, Wonderfully and, dastardly, yeah. <laughs> twirling the moustache, you expected, yeah. It's like a... And, yeah, no. I, yeah, I just want to say about the actor who played Bolter. I mean, it was great to see him years later appear, uh, be a, a recurring character in uh, Deep Space Nine. He played, um, oh, the uh, Klingon uh, Kerr. That's right. And he was like the old, the old Klingon who would, uh, you know, was friends with Dax. And he, you know, he he appeared in most. Um, I think four series of that show, you know, bowing out in the final series where, you know, because he was suffering from uh, a Klingon form of dementia, uh, he went out in a, you know, a bout of glory by taking on all these Jem'Hadar ships on his own. And he was just a wonderful character. Yeah, and his character was actually in the original, again, played by John Colicus in the original Star Trek before he even did Battlestar Galactica. He was in a, um, I think it was an episode called Errand of Mercy. And oh, it was okay. where they first introduced the, the Klingons, actually. It was the first time uh, on screen that you saw the Klingons. Although, obviously, back then the Klingons didn't look quite the same, if you know what I mean. But, <laughs> yes. um, but, but yeah, so he, he, he was in that and obviously got to reprise his role in, in Deep Space Nine. But uh, yeah, I mean, Colicus was great. John Colicus was it was you know what wonderful in this and uh you know i can certainly see why they decided to uh to not kill boltar off and, and actually have him as the recurring villain because uh you know he was so great <laughs> though didn't yeah. he didn't he, didn't he die uh sort of near the end didn't he finally uh his usefulness came to an end 
No, basically, he was the last we saw of Bolter, apart from that awful guest scene that they had in the edited Galactica 1980, you know, uh, VHS release thing. <laughs> Which you love was, so much. He, no, no. But, but was he, he, was, he was actually, um, he had got captured. Um, in fact, there's a great episode called Baltar's Escape, which is which is a really great episode of Galactica. But essentially, um, Baltar had, had had got captured and was a prisoner in the fleet. And in the very last episode of Battlestar Galactica, the 24th episode, um, they have to they, they 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 come across a Cylon base star that they have to have tactical advantage over. So basically, they ask Baltar whether he'll help provide intelligence for them uh, in order to get his freedom. And, and the freedom is essentially him being marooned on a, on a habitable planet. Um, and that is literally the last we see of Baltar, sadly, because, of course, even though they had all these plans for season two and, and you know, for continuing uh, Galactica, you know, it was ultimately cancelled, and 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 you know, the next thing they came up with was 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 to you know jump thirty years into the future and have them find Earth and you know do Galactica nineteen eighty. But mm. um, uh, y- y- you know, it's a real shame because I-, I think you know had the had the series been able to continue and and been able to live, um, uh, y- you know, it would have been interesting to see where they would have gone with all that stuff. And I know that there were. There were scripts written and there were ideas, um, you know, to continue it. But uh, but sadly, uh, that didn't happen. But um, interestingly, Richard Hatch, where this this whole sort of podcast is started, um, he he actually uh, did try and get the rights from Universal to actually uh, make a revival of, of Battlestar Galactica. And this was this was based on some novels that he had written um, in the late 90s, uh, which took place 20 years after the series, ignored the whole Galactica 1980s stuff. And essentially, Apollo was now... Com- Adama had died, and Apollo was now the commander of the fleet. And, um, you know, they, they had like a new generation of characters as well, and they uh, they did produce a, a, a trailer um, which he wrote, produced, and, and co-directed um, for Universal called uh, Battlestar Galactica: The Second Coming, and it kind of used the novels that he'd written. I think he'd done half a dozen novels as a, as a sort of template for it. But ultimately, um, you know, he wasn't able to get the rights from Universal to do that. And at the same time, Glenn Larson, who was still alive then was also sort of rallying to try and uh, make a movie um, based around what had happened to the Pegasus. And um, also, Brian Singer uh, was involved in a continuation-type movie as well. And all of those projects, they were all happening sort of late 90s, early 2000s. And they ended up all getting canned in favour for the... The, the, the reimagined series that, that that Ron Moore and David Icke did. So, um, uh, but yeah, it was interesting that you know Richard Hatch was was actively involved because because you know apart from 
you know, apart from the fact that he, he'd taken over for a season from Michael Douglas in, in streets of San Francisco, um, <laughs> Uh, you, you know, Galactica was, I, I guess, you, you know, his his main, you know, what he was best known for, and um, he was always sort of very passionate about it and felt that the story hadn't been fully told and really wanted to uh, wanted to do that. But as I said, nowadays you can find that trailer is available on on YouTube, uh, Battlestar Galactica: The Second Coming. Uh, again, uses some quite good visual effects. And that has guests in it. And one of them is actually John Colicus, again, just before he died. Um, Baltar makes a sort of guest appearance in that. So he was obviously planned to be in it. Um, but there are, um, as I said, there's a series of half a dozen novels or whatever written by Richard Hatch that are available. I mean, they're quite hard to come across. But I think, you know, Amazon, you might be able to get them from the US or whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, there have been those attempts, and there were a few uh, comic book um, and graphic novels and things of that nature uh, sort of produced in that time period. You can probably tell I was quite a Battlestar Galactica fan. <laughs> so when uh, when you got news of of the uh, the reimagining the, the the new series, uh, what was your first reaction, then, Keith? Right. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I was initially massively skeptical because I, you know, I, I'd, I'd read a little bit about it before it came out. And obviously I'd seen all of the sort of publicity stills and some of the, the you know, the, the designs, etc. And the things I was kind of bothered about was the fact that um, they were ignoring all of this, what we'd already discussed, this wonderful sort of, you know, Egyptian and and Mayan mythology in the design completely. And it had gone, you know, totally, totally militaristic, almost like we, you know, we, we, we'd have here, you know, uh, today. Um, the other thing is they'd got rid of the sort of um, names and they turned the names into either sort of surnames or core signs. Um, and, and they, you, you know, they, they'd given them like very, very, sort of normal names like uh you, you know for example apollo is essentially called in the reimagining Dharma, but um apollo is his is his call sign and uh you know and i read that you know ty is going to be called you know saul ty and you, you know and all this sort of thing and I, and I was skeptical um i was worried that it had kind of missed the point of 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 what you know battlestar galactica was and what larson had, had kind of done with it um, but when I saw it, I was completely blown away. And, uh, I was still the, the mini series that came out in 2003, I enjoyed, I was still, I still had a few reservations about it, but then when it went into a, the full series, beginning with an absolutely amazing episode called 33, um, I, you, you know, I basically bought into it. And for me, whereas the original Galactica, which, you know, I have a lot of love for, but that that was very much the Galactica of my childhood. Yeah, I felt that um, what they'd done with the what they'd done with the reimagining by um, making it sort of more adult and darker and essentially being a sort of, uh, you know, dealing with the sort of post 9-11 world that we were living in at that stage. 
Um, you, you know, I really loved what they did with it. And, I, and you know, I think Ron Moore just, you know, he was obviously very well known in science fiction for being a writer and a producer on the Star Trek series. And he kind of wanted to move right away from all of those sort of science fiction tropes, as they put it, and, and turn it into something that was, that, you know, w- was, was massively different, um, massively, uh, you know, pushed boundaries. In, in all directions and much more adult and um, you, you know really was kind of a template for the quality of television that's followed I mean you know we often talk about how we're in this age now of of, of, of fantastic television you know and it's it's no longer there's not this segregation between film and television but you know we're in that we're in that and 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 how uh, well you asked and um, we're in that and, 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 and how, uh, you know, it dealt with things like, um, you know, changing the gender and ethnicity and whatever of characters, which is sort of commonplace now. But, it, you know, they were kind of the forerunner for that. So. So, yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I, I, I love it. Do you know, the one thing the one thing I found the most interesting about the reimagining wasn't that they changed characters that they'd structured it differently, that they, you know, they developed a whole new way of showing, you know, in space action and things like that, looking at his documentary style and, um, you know, that it was grittier and dark and things like that. I think the thing that really surprised me was that the one thing that in the original, the original programs they always had in the background, which was the religion, you know, the, uh, the gods of the colonies and each of the colonies, you know, um, representing around, you know, mixed gods, but mainly uh, sort of the Greek mythology, um, was that the reimagining was religious. Religion was at the heart of everything. It was, you know, it was such a um, divergence from uh, um, any sci-fi that that had been done, you know, ever, I suppose, that religion was used as the basic building blocks for all the storylines for all the background for all you know it was always there it was always an element to it it was you know um incredibly risky um but basically you know it it's of its time it's you know what's the most challenging thing in the world you know it's fundamentalists you know whether they be christian or muslim or something like that and that was the thing that i always found enthralling about the uh, um, the series that it wasn't scared to approach that and discuss it and look at it you know the one god against the multi gods one religion against another religion and um it made it darker it made it harder it made it i don't know it gave it an element of energy to it that was really quite surprising in that respect and i also love the fact that how how it how close it stayed with the the original Battlestar Galactica. I mean, I I I've just watched the other day. I watched the uh, the pilot to the original and the pilot to this, and the amount of stuff that's similar or that they do from both from the new one is is it's it's very subtle. I mean, uh, for one, you have so you have the destruction of the twelve colonies, and. Um, in the original, it, there's an armistice, and there's the all the ships are, you know, they're all together to greet the Cylons for this peace treaty. And in the in the pilot for the, the the new series, you know that the Cylons had disappeared 
for a long time, for about 30 years or so. So nobody knew what was happening. And But the, the, the parallels, you know, that the destruction of the 12 colonies, the gathering of, um, you know, the, the fleet, and then them finding... Um, you know, instead of having Carillon as a planet to get supplies and um, fuel and stuff, they have a, um, a, a, a supply depot that's in this um, oh, uh, nebula. And also then you have this attack at the, um, the end as well. And other little touches as well. Do you remember the end of the... Um, the original part, you know, the original series pilot, where you have Apollo and Starbuck pretending to be like uh, fleets of ships going against the base star. Yeah, orange and purple squadron. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> in they do they do a swap around where they they have a squadron of vipers and they they're going to attack. They see like all these uh, squadrons of uh, Cylon ships. And, of course, it turns out that it's only two raiders. And I thought, wow, that's that's such a, a lovely little touch and twist on it as well, which you probably yeah. wouldn't have recognised unless you, you know, if you'd seen the the pilot. So all those, all those sort of, you know, similarities and touches. I mean, the fact that they found the other ship, the Pegasus, and that their commander also, you know, was sort of bigger, you know, was higher up in the ranks than Adama was and was taking over, you know, and I just, I, I just loved the way that it, it sort of, it was very true to the spirit of the original one, that it, it took things that we had, we'd known from the original series and incorporated it into this new series, as well as bringing its own things to the table. And of course, the, the main thing, I mean, the main thing they did was making the Cylons human. Well, that was an interesting, uh, the interesting spin on that. I mean, I suppose is that, um, that because they're looking at the actual characters, you know, there's no black and white, everything's a shade of grey, mm. you know, the darkness that they brought to the series is that, you know, they didn't need to stray away from the storylines from the original Battlestar series, which was quite good. The, the storylines were great. They weren't brilliantly written. There wasn't, you know, fabulous dialogue. It was a bit of, you know, uh, um blood and guts and you know heroes and villains very black and white um but this this the reimagining gave so much room to actually get to know the characters you know warts and all which was nice i mean it was it was really nice to actually understand why there's tension between characters and what that tension is and where it comes from misunderstandings you know are, um, with apollo and his father you know the death of zach and was was a great storyline that ran for what the first three episodes and the mm. uh, mini series, which is yeah. a great little storyline about that and the tension between everybody and you know how it affected relationships, you, you know, which before you couldn't really get into. In I mean, you know, the original characters were in the original series, even though they were fabulous characters, they were sort of paper thin when it oh, came definitely. to who they were, and yeah. that was that was the great thing about the reimagining. It was just they, the writing was so good, um, and there was so much space for the characters to live and breathe, and you know, for you to actually go on little journeys with them, small little things that went through the whole series, you know. And if you're talking about a character that was completely reimagined, that was, you know, one of the the basis that making the reimagining was the Baltar character. Um, yes. 
which was what a, a fabulous, what a fabulous role, you know, um, what, a, <laughs> what a, it was. It's, it's just such a, such an amazing character. You know, he gave us the dark moments, the humor, um, you know, he was back and forwards, you know, what's he doing this time? Where's he going to take this? You know, he's no moral character. It was brilliant. Yeah, you know, good old James Callis. We 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 love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, but, I mean, you mentioned about reimagining and changing the genders and things like that. Do you know? I it, it was never an issue with me. I never had had to think about it because I didn't think that it mattered. No, um, I didn't think it did either. It no, was, I, I, if you thought about it beforehand, you would think, well, no, well, uh, you know, this the whole point about Apollo and uh, um, Starbuck was there you know, best mates sort of thing, you know, always together and stuff like that. And then have this thing that there's a, you know, uh, an unrefrequited love there, you know, it's, it's like quite, you know, it's just a different angle to it, but it was something that gave their, their characters chemistry all the time, which was great. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, that is the thing is, is just as you said, you know, m my point about the original being the thing for when I was a kid and then, this being the adult, I mean, it, it really is like like yeah. you said the 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 um the, the original series, you know, was was all about spectacle. It was about the spectacle of the special effects, and it was about you know you had good guys and bad guys, and we knew exactly who was who and where everybody's moral compasses were. Mm. Whereas in this, um, you know, we had morally ambiguous characters on both sides. You know, we had. Um, we were dealing with the issues of, 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 you know, the evolved Cylons, the human Cylons. What I really liked, as you were saying, Simon, is, is you know, they, they took some plot points and some design elements. And one of the things they did do that was great is I love the fact that they kept the, the original Cylon design as the kind of backstory to, to, to the Cylons, you know, um, that was really great and they showed a, a lot of this in um there was there was a great episode called razor um, yeah, which dealt yeah. with the pegasus and they gave quite a bit of backstory into adama's early years and what i loved about that is not only did we have the original series cylons and the original series cylon raiders and and you know the voices and by your command and all that stuff but we also had the early colonial suits kind of the uniforms kind of had a slight element of the, you, you know, the, the Egyptian stuff from, from the original Battlestar Galactica. So they even, you know, blended some of those elements in there as well, albeit very subtly. And um, I, I really, I really loved all of that stuff. Oh and, yeah. Um, I mean, I love you know, the, when they used the Battlestar Galactica theme, you know, uh, for the national anthem. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> they, when they have the the display of the the vipers at the beginning when they're you know uh decommissioning uh yeah. battlestar galactica yeah, and turn it into yeah. a museum i mean it's just because it, what was nice what what was so nice about that was the fact that they were acknowledging the previous series and acknowledging the pre and the fans of that series as well because they were which they, yeah, which they could have, yeah because they could have quite easily gone fuck you we're doing what we want you know, yeah. we don't care about it. And they didn't. They said, you know, you've got your Battlestar. This is our Battlestar. But it is still, you know, your Battlestar is still part of, you know, it's going to be part of this series and we're going to respect that and we're going to build upon that. I mean, 
I mean, the very episode which Richard had hatched appeared was an episode that felt, I think, was an episode in the original Battlestar Galactica. Wasn't there an uprising on a prison ship? Yeah, well, it was very, very loosely based on Baltar's escape, that episode ah. that I mentioned. And um, but, but, but obviously they complete like they did with everything because they completely put their own spin on it, which is great. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I must admit, you know, that there, there are those that said, um, you, you know, uh, Richard Hatch, bless him, um, you, you know, was was a bit of a hypocrite because he was obviously very against this when he was trying to to do his revival. But then, of course, he ends up, you know, being the only actor to actually come into this as well. However, when you look at the part that was written for him, I mean, Tom Zarek is is one of the most complex characters and he obviously a re- recurring character through the entire, you know, um, uh, four seasons that it ran, um, you know, a massively complex character. So I can see why Richard Hatch as an actor, you know, th- this was a fantastic role for him. And it was great because you were able to have him in it without it being some sort of cheesy, winky cameo. You, you know, he was able to p- play a, a, a fully rounded character and, 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 you know, good for him, you, you know, show off his, his true acting chops and his acting ability. And, um, yeah, I think the whole Tom Zarek storyline throughout the series and particularly in that episode where, you know, he's, he's introduced on the prison barge is, is, um, is fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Really like it. I mean, I really love the fact they made it about the drama and the characters and again, you know, it is something that, that that all series nowadays tend to do. But at the time that this came out, um, you know, it was a, it was a bit breakthrough in terms of television. Um, and you know, not just about the the changing of gender and ethnicity, but also, you, you know, the the, the dealing with the um, terrorist side of things and the post apocalyptic side of things. And I love the fact that half of the first season. Um, you know, they, 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 they have simple problems like, you know, what are we going to do for food and water and, you know, all of the medical supplies well, the and weapons. Is, the water one is what starts off the, uh, the whole issue with the Tom Zarek one as yeah. well. I mean, I liked, I liked the arcs, how they actually established things that, you know, uh, what leads into the next, it, it wasn't sort of episodes that were saying, well, we need to let's do something slightly different. Let's find a new planet. Let's do this. But it was everything led into the next. The actual story arcs worked really well about developing where they're going to be and making, and making it possible to understand exactly how they got to there, exactly why they were looking for prisoners to help, you know, mine for the water. It's, I mean, it's just very well written. Um, yeah. Oh, the writing was incredible. I mean, you, you know, one, one of the things I was skeptical about when I saw the original publicity stills as well was things like, um, you, you, you know, seeing Baltar, for example, in a, in a, in a, in a suit and tie. And I was kind of like, oh, that's a little bit sort of close to us, you know, for, for this and all that. But, but they made this whole idea of this sister culture, um, really work and 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 you know it really it really grounded everything actually so suddenly you weren't distracted by you know shiny costumes and and sci-fi things like that so you you know i can see ron more clearly wanted to to um move 
as far away from from the sort of Star Trek model that that he'd been involved in for years and and do something different. And and you know he he did an absolutely outstanding job with this. Um, but the other thing that they they kind of promoted on the show was this whole sort of feel of improvisation throughout. So, you know, obviously the the cinema verite style of, of of filming and photography was great for actors because it meant that they had to be acting the whole time. And and but apparently, I've listened to um, uh, Ron Moore's actually done podcasts for every single episode, and I I, I have listen to all of them in fact it's when i ironically we're recording a podcast now and the first time i ever found out what a podcast was 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 um a commentary for for one of the episodes was was done as a podcast and i was like oh that's what it is sort of thing 70 something podcasts yes yeah i've listened to all of them but he he said (laughs) that the improvised style was also happening in the writer's room so even though that those and what you get on screen yeah it does. It does feel like the characters uh, or the actors are feeling their characters. They're playing those characters, and so the writers are giving them material to, to play with. And the documentary style of shooting, um, you know, gave it another energy itself. You know, it's um, you know like watching a stage play, but you know, in space, you know, in a real spaceship, or you know, uh, it it gave it a different energy. It was nice. Um, the only the only say the only thing I I missed from the old series that they they weren't able to incorporate into the um, uh, new one, and it's just a shot really. It's there's nothing else. Was the ships being going through the launch tubes? You know, they seen those lights as they they you know they would go for the the ship the Viper would go for the tube, and they had the tubes and everything. But you'd either just see them, you know, they'd be ready to go. And then you just see them outside the ship launching. And you never got that front-on shot, the, the Viper coming towards you with the lights going and the sense of speed. And I, it's such a shame they never never recreated that shot. I mean, they recreated every kind of sh- other shot going. They always, they recreated the, you know, the Cylon chasing the other, the, a Viper and being shot from behind. They also recreated the, um, you know, the Viper... F- destroying the um, Cylon ship and then flying through the fireball. They did all, yeah. they, they did recreated all the, those classic shots from the original series, but never that one. Yeah. No, I think it, it, that sort of thing is about that the camera didn't stop. And to do that, you'd have to fix the camera. Um, and they fixed the camera for a moment. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the actual visual design, you know, the actual shooting and what they were thinking about doing with the effects and how they were shooting with lots of moving camera, you know, with the actors is it would stand out like a sore thumb. Oh, they they could have done so. I mean, they could have had it like if the camera had been on the ship because there was plenty of those shots. Something like that. But, you know, you just I, I think that some things they wanted to visually have to look different and feel different and, to me, I, I can understand why they wouldn't want to do that because that's such such a classic shot, such you know mm. iconic shot um, that just repeating it, I think, or recreating it because most of the other shots, all in space, the camera moves very differently. You know, you, you very 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 few fixed position cameras yeah. on anything, um, and I think that's. You know, it's, whether it's right or wrong, because they could have done it different ways, 
you know, as you said, uh, Simon, I, and I agree with you. They could have done it so many different ways, and it, it's a iconic shot, isn't it? Yeah. Even though they use the same one a hundred times. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the reason why they're iconic shots is because we saw them in every episode. We, you know, the, there was always that shot of the um, the Cylon ship flying above the Battlestar and being shot by lasers or coming up and to the right with the lasers destroying it or the or the, the yeah. Cylon ship like, flying into the actual one of the, you know, yeah. one of the entrances <laughs> and exploding. Because all that work they did for the pilot, they just reused. But then there was a lot of shows back in those days where they did that. They would reuse all of their, their effect shots over and over again because it was so expensive to produce those shots. Yeah. And time, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. They didn't have the time or budget on the sort of TV um, broadcast schedule and whatever. But um, I mean, on this, I, I think Zoic, the the company behind the the visual effects for the um, reimagined series, did do a, a, a wonderful job. And again, the thing they did that was nice is they made it all its own thing, but you did have design elements. You know, you you definitely had the 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 original viper design uh to the t in there but you had you know some of the ships of the fleet were mm. also quite familiar yeah. um, um and and of course you had the red eye thing from the cylon which you've already mentioned was so similar you know basically they're taking all the hard edits off that's about it you know it's the same layout the same structural sh- structure of a ship i mean uh, so many design elements are from the original which was great and yeah, it was great to see, you know, five or six of the actual ships from the original series floating about. It was just brilliant. Well, um, yeah, I mean, just the shot of the Battlestar amongst the ships is is exactly like how it was in the series. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 did, they took a lot of the elements from the series and put it there on the screen, but then the the stories and the characters, they, they, they made their own. Yeah. yeah no, and they, but- they, they made it very adult. That was the mm. thing about this series as well that surprised me, particularly for a, um, you, you know, uh, a, a network uh, television series rather than a sort of cable or pay-per-view type thing. It was actually pretty, pretty violent, pretty sexual, um, and dealt with a lot of dark subject matters. I mean, you, you know, this was where we, where we said that, you know, even though the 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 base story of the original was 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 quite dark um but you know obviously it was handled very very light very family friendly um this was 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 really sort of again pushing the boundaries um uh you know on that side of things and, yeah, and you know yeah. dealt quite a lot with sexuality as well as religion yeah, and, yeah um, you take the new caprica storylines you know and it was uh, uh suicide bombers it was yeah. uh, um you know, it was kidnap and uh, impregnation of uh, um, human women. It was, you know, uh, uh, torture. It was, you know, so many things, elements to it that were, you know, sort of hot topics at the time, which they, I mean, when they, I remember when they, uh, they uh, viewed the, uh, um, the actual, the two part about the suicide bombings on New Caprica, um, that storyline about you know but yeah we this is the only choice we have we have to act and things like that and at the time there was a spate of suicide bombings across europe across uh, the middle east and things like that it was incredibly powerful and 
daring of them to actually broach that subject and look at it from the people who were doing the suicide bombing, you know, which was the humans, you know, against the Cylons, which was, you know, it's a very, very dark, very difficult subject to approach. I mean, it's just classic sci-fi, you know, looking at topics that affect us and putting them in a different environment so you can discuss them and look at it from the other side without, you know, ending up in Guantanamo Bay, you know, in an orange jumpsuit. Well, yeah, and just and also just the fact that they were talking about uh, an occupying force, which the Americans and the British were doing at the same time, you know. Exactly. So, so I mean, dealing with you know subject matter that was that was actually going on at the time, and you know it was things like I remember the 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 first episode of series three when they had a lot of the main characters all lined up and they looked like they were about to sh- to kill them off. You know, yeah. they were going to have this uh, this mass execution. I thought, you know, that was really like, oh, my God, are they going to survive? Which, uh, spoiler, they did. I mean, thankfully, <laughs> they were able to be saved. They, I, I think they chickened out a little bit there. But, um, but you know, uh, the new Caprica uh, storyline was it was it was kind of interesting. And I mean, mm-hmm. just that, you know, to see what happened, you know, uh, what. It, when they had a bad leader in place, you know, yeah. which again is kind of similar to the pilot to, uh, you know, the original series because uh, with uh, Carillon, they they actually wanted to stay there, and if say um, the, the the Council of the Twelve had overruled Adama or found out about his plan and, and scuppered it, they would have been stuck on that planet. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, as you said earlier, you know, the, the storylines in the uh, reimagining, you know, were mirroring episodes and storylines from the original. And considering there's only 24 episodes in the original series, mm. that's, you know. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I love that the whole Pegasus arc that they had, um, you know, which obviously they were able to spend a lot more time with than, than just a two part episode like they did in the original. But but that was great. And I think um you, you well, know, um, film, wasn't it? It was basically shown as a TV movie. You know, it like was, yeah. Original yeah. writing, the original, the original cut, and everything. It's and it shows. It, it has a great arc on its own. It's a great storyline, you know. And going back to Adama's you know, origins, things where he was first when he was first a pilot, and other. Well, I, I mean, I know you're talking about Razor, but Razor was kind of a supplement to the whole. Pegasus story. Mm. That was just a, a kind of sort oh, of showing God. showing you what happened, bef- you know, you know, before they met up with the Galactica. Yeah, no, but just, that that sort of storyline, those structures within it, I, I think that it just gave depth again. Mm. And again, that's the thing they had. The, you got you got to know the characters. You got to yeah. understand the characters before the story progressed with them. So yeah, well, that, well. Again, 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 they did take some. They took some plot points and some character and planet names and whatever from the original, but completely made it its own thing. Like again, you know, having changing the gender of of Kane and having uh, Michelle Forbes uh, play uh, Admiral Kane and actually making you know her a superior officer officer to Adama and whatever. That I mean, that that was some great. Um, drama and dynamic that they they bought into that, and that worked really well. And of course, we we've not mentioned as well uh, a, a character that was created for the reimagining was the um, you know the 
the Laura Roslin character played by uh, Mary McDowell. You know, um, brilliant, Bring amazing, politics. yeah, and amazing. Apart, especially when you know you have the court case uh, around, you know, um, with Bolter and that whole arc itself, and the politics there, and Tom Zarek coming into that as well. You know, of running for president, I, I, things like that. What, so much more depth to the characters, so much more depth to the storyline, um, which was, uh, yeah, the politics side of things. This is quite interesting. It's, if you look at it now, you have, you know, that wonderful man Trump in the White House. <laughs> and you, uh, you know, you look at the elements of the, they, they're in Galactica then when they were talking about um, was Roslyn uh, um, becoming a dictator? Was she ignoring everything, going the direction she wanted to go? You know, um, you know, was uh, you know the independent, the other independent, you know, like Zarek and then Baltar himself when he gets a new capital, you know, running for president. You know, it's just sort of the interesting side of that. Of, you know, you look at how politics. We're looking at something that's changed, but sci-fi series like Battles like Galactica were looking at these things. Um, mm playing with these ideas, you know, what will people accept? Well, it depends on the circumstance, you know. Um, people will vote with for no reason just to get rid of what's already there. It's sort of quite interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it did play with a lot of real-world ideas and put it into this, you know, science fiction backdrop, which is usually where the best sci-fi, you know, comes from. Um, you know, yeah. that was certainly the case in literature, and these guys have done it in, um, you know, television drama, which is amazing. Um, in terms of the the sort of subtle references and the things that we said, you know, one of the things they did with this that was good is they didn't make them too winky. Um, the one thing I didn't like in the miniseries, and it's a really tiny thing, but I really didn't think it worked. And it was like they had to get it in there was, again, spoiler alert. But right at the end of the uh, miniseries where we find out that, uh, you know, Sharon Valari, a.k.a. Boomer, is um is actually uh you know a, a sleeper Cylon. Um they have that bit where she goes by your command and I just thought oh that 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 jarred with me at the time. Oh, I, thought, I, uh, I had no problem with that. Work. If anything I my <laughs> my only problem with the miniseries was having Boxy in it and they did the the, the well, they got and, rid of him. And they got rid of him straight <laughs> away. I mean it, it's it's kind of like we did him He's, he was there, yeah. he's there, but he's just somewhere else. You know, he, he could have been blown yeah. out. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean... Um, Ron Moore jokes a lot about that on, on many of the I podcasts. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 about how they got rid of boxing. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wanted boxing. <laughs> well, in that situation, you can't you can't have a, a kid running around. I mean, at the end, I mean, with the original series, it worked. I have to say, Boxy kind of worked. He was that, you know, that character who you could, you know, you say, you know, he could go, he, he had uh, his Daggett, you know, and that sort of uh, robot's um, In the original, dog thing. Right. That yeah. Daggett was crazy. Yeah. In the original, <laughs> he was there to connect Jane Seymour with Apollo. Yeah. That was, but, I mean, also, was he was used point. as somebody to explain what the Cylons were and, and stuff like that. And for uh, for us kids to sort of, you know, put us in the adventure. Well, <laughs> you know, he he was our point of view character in, in that series as kids. But um, I mm. just want to say, um, I, the 
the the attack on Caprica in the original one where um the the dog gets killed is quite nasty. I I didn't realize how nasty it was. You know, there's all these people sort of pretend diving, and then you see the dog running towards them, and it gets splattered. Well, you don't see it getting splattered, but you, it, see. you see this <laughs> yeah. pillar fall straight yeah. on top of it, and you go, "Oh my yeah, god!" They killed the dog, <laughs> which you know now these days you. It, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, take Independence Day. You know, all these cars are exploding. People are, you know, being burnt alive. But the dog just jumps free. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Well, I think you talk about things that you have problems with with our, um, with the reimagining. One of the things I was hoping for with the reimagining. Um, was that they would be a bit more realistic about living in space. And that was the one thing that was missing from the reimagining. I mean, the original series didn't give a monkeys. You know, it's like... Um, well, it, it, they know, did they're... a little bit. I mean, in the pilot, there was there was a bit of that when uh, there was a food shortage. And I know, so the fact... Food, food, water and stuff like that. Yeah. Fine. You know, yeah. actual surviving that way, things like that. It's just your... It's, I don't understand why they can't look at where, you know, especially military-wise, you look at uh, um, where we are in the same technology, which is submarines. You're living in a hostile environment you can't exist without. Hmm. You know, you can't escape from that. You can't move from it, you know, and that's incredibly compartmentalized, you know, with um, no big spaces, no things like that, which is fine um, as long as you have some way of dealing with it because you're in a basically in a uh, um a big metal box you know um and they're getting fired at <laughs> and things are exploding um and there's no decompression systems there's no emergency breathing equipment there's no pilots are going out with no breathing gear you know um into space in a tiny little bit of metal and you know into space and they're still wearing our um, systems that you know, you think, well, it's pretty much like uh, being in a, a jet fighter. Well, you're not in a jet fighter. If you're in a jet fighter and you have to eject, you know, you're in oxygen, nitrogen atmosphere, not a vacuum, you know. Um, it, I think elements to that, because we've, we've progressed further understanding these things. And, and um, don't get me wrong, I think it was beautifully visualized and, you know, wonderful world they created. But just little things like that, it's... it's it's, it was always my big bugbear about our um, Star Trek series, you know, that nobody gives a shit about that. You know, being attacked and everything's blowing up and things like that. You think, well, everything's blowing up, you know. Um, well, what would happen to you? You know, it's like... I, I think that kind of thing, um, you know, I think with Star Trek, they have sort of, you know, uh, talked about it through a character who kind of thinks about it. I think most... I think... It's going to be a generalization, but I think if if people are working in space, you kind of not think about it. It's not that thing that's on your mind. You're right. Too much. Right. Not not too much because you have to work with it. You have to deal with it on a day to day basis, and the way people deal with things on a day to day basis is not to think about it. You know, Definitely. it's, it's just talking, to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, talking the, about the difference between civilian and military. I mean, and that was the thing that. There should have been a distinct difference, but it 
there was no difference. You know, they were all walking around in their own thing. The, the only thing they had, which they showed, was people closing hatches. Mm. That was it. That was their one concession. You know, um, you know, Adama would go back to his, you know, his quarters and he'll close his hatch. They would go into the bathroom and somebody would close the hatch behind them. I mean, that was the only thing. But it's, I don't, I don't know. It's the element of sci-fi. Um, you know, it's science fiction. It's great, but there's still a basis on reality. You know, they they didn't have force fields. You know, uh, which is Star Trek's way of getting around that. Yeah. Um, oh, they yeah. Didn't I mean, have... I mean, if you take the 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 pilot episode where they the, the miniseries when they get hit by the nuke, and they have to close it off. You know, you know, they have to vent the oxygen out that section to put the fire out, and you know, they kill like 84 people just because they don't have breathing masks and they don't you know and they don't give them the time to get out because if they did the the ship would have blown or they would have lost most of the ship so i mean they there was kind of decisions like that and 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 you know but i think just for when it was used for a, a dramatic effect i think if if they dealt with the whole sort of space thing and i think it would have bogged down the story a bit too much because they were they were dealing with Cylons, the destruction of their race, trying to find a new planet, uh, trying mm. to deal with the, the day-to-day things of making sure people had enough food, enough water, enough fuel, you know, that they could, that, you know, that they were outrunning the uh, the Cylons. I mean, there was had to be one little thing that they, they didn't have to, they, they shouldn't, you know. And if they had dealt with it, I mean, if it was like the what we were used to for TV, where things were dealt with within an episode, then they may have done an episode like that. But because they were dealing with a bigger story arc, I think they went, well, we'll leave that out just because that's just one one more thing that's too much. Uh, I don't think it had to be a storyline. It had to, uh, for me, um, it's a background element mm. to. Uh, but, but you know you know what i mean when i say that it would have been dealt in like an episode if like like an episode of star you know how star trek was that each story was just a story each episode was a story within itself i think you're right i mean i mean there were far there were huge arcs in the uh reimagining um but it's it's a it's an element of uh, um of this story which is they are um they show uh, Apollo after his, well, the their secret stealth fighter gets blown up mm. and he's floating in space and things like that, you know. And they start talking about well, how much oxygen does he have? How long has he got? What's some things like that, you know? And it's microsecond, and then it's just about well, I couldn't bother. I'm just going to watch here and die because um, I've had enough. Sort of where his character was at the time, um, but the element of drama to that. Um, was more about his emotional state, not whether he was going to stop breathing or not, <laughs> you know, or, or his space you run out of energy and he'll freeze to death, which you do in vacuum. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that they they put so much effort into thinking about what was going on. I mean, the original series they they started after the series they were going from ship to ship and checking for sodium leaks, which I always thought was quite amusing. Mm. Um, this very specific, you know, why was it exactly? Never explained that. 
Um, we're looking for sodium leaks. There's too much sodium in this fleet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that 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 was that was one of the things I guess that the original series kind of did that uh, again Ron Moore and whatever did away with, so so it wouldn't become um, confusing and stuff. But w- one of the things I kind of liked the original series is they they did have. You know, they they had their own vocabulary, their own sort of measurements of time and space, and and um, you, you know their their own types of fuel and 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 all of that sort of thing. And I always thought that was they they kind of took the the opposite to Star Wars, whereas Star Wars, you know, they dealt with everything in the language we understood. Yet the actual um, writing was was in an alien language uh galactica did it the other way so they were speaking all these different words but the uh the the, the writing was actually in english <laughs> so it's kind of the flip of that but obviously uh ron moore decided to uh not get too involved with techno babble and and just made it very understandable to all of us you know <laughs> but you're saying that they still use some of the language i mean frack was used in the, the as the, an expletive yes yeah. but in the pilot for the original series starbucks says frack when they're trying oh, to yeah, do that, they, that was yeah and i mean they still they yeah and they still had like um you know they still had the the card game you know i i, I guess they did uh, starbucks didn't have a perfect pyramid but you know they still had like the um hexagon cards uh, they still had some of the vocabulary from the original series. Yeah, but they they weren't doing the centons, centaurs, microns, all that sort of stuff. That's what I mean. They, well, they, they yes, they, 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 stuff, they, they did get rid of the positive shield, negative shield. You know, <laughs> that uh, Adama had to say all the time if they had to close the shield or open it. So you go back to the original series and that, that design and thinking about how things worked, you know, was the detail was amazing. Hmm. You know, it's like you're thinking about, they were thinking about, you know, they didn't have view screens because I hadn't thought of view screens and, you know, our um, technology was, you know, not something that you would uh, uh you could actually make last you know it's dated so quickly you know screens that you know were refreshing so slow you could see the cycle rate you know when they were filming it um but um i, I think the actual they simplified it i mean i know star trek cheated by having no screens you know in the original series which was an amazing idea just lots of switches and flashing lights it was brilliant <laughs> i mean um, but yeah, again, look at look at the design on our, um, the reimagined one. They kept everything incredibly simple. Following that, you know, you didn't have big, huge screens. You had tiny screens. You had small things. You had lots of boards with flashing lights and buttons, um, which I thought was I, I thought that was a nice tribute to the original as well. Mm. Thinking about the simplicity, you know, simplicity of. Of the bridge. Well, you, know, you gotta remember that Galactica was an old Battlestar. It it was from the uh, original uh, Cylon Wars, and yes. that the you that you actually saw a glance of the newer ones, which were much more high tech. And but that was their undoing was because 
they all had these sort of network systems that the Cylons could yeah. access. Oh, no, definitely. Exactly. The net, the networks for the, the you know, the the old school analog stuff on the Galactic is kind of what saved saved them, you know, and and allowed that ship to survive, which uh, which was interesting and was actually an idea. I think Ron Moore wanted to use for Star Trek in one of the films. He wanted the Enterprise to be turned into a museum, and uh, ultimately, you know, Rick Berman or whatever didn't approve that one. Mm. So uh, he obviously <laughs> kept that one in the in the card deck, ready for uh, ready for this. Um, what was quite interesting as well. I mean, obviously, Glenn Larson. Um, you know, you can't take anything away from him for 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 creating this this idea originally, um, but. Of course, with this series, he just got credited as consulting producer because they were using obviously character and planet names and ship names and plot elements and and those sort of things. Um, but I saw an interview uh, with him that he did. I can't remember either UCLA or USC or whatever. And um, he he uh, you know he he was kind of not happy with a lot of the reimagining and the sort of major changes they'd made but i sort of thought to myself that's no different to what he and the outer limits uh creator leslie stevens did with the um butt rogers comic strips and serial movies i mean when you think about it you know he made that the year after galactica using yeah. a lot of the same props and and sets and etc um right. but that was a complete reimagining of what had come before it's just that in those days they never used the t they never coined the term reimagining but mm. um it did sort of make me laugh that you know he, he was really against all that and i thought well hold on you've kind of done that anyway <laughs> so uh but, yeah i, I, you know, I mean yeah yeah <laughs> so um i i i wanted to ask you guys um what was your feelings of the ending of this series when they did <laughs> when they finally found ah. Earth and um, well, uh, spoilers for those who don't know the ending, uh, you might want to jump yeah. ahead. But um, yeah. the the fact that um, not only do they come to uh, create their own Earth because the original Earth was destroyed, but the fact that it was Earth of I don't know, 9 million BC? <laughs> you know, it might have been before yeah, the dinosaur. I think dinosaur. it was 150 million years or something yeah. prior to now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what What did you? What were you guys' feelings about that? Myself? Yeah. I think they backed themselves into a corner on certain elements of it. I mean, um, you take the whole finishing arc of the Starbuck character, you mm. know, was she real? Was she there? Was she, you know, and that connected to, you know, the religious elements that, you know, were driving the series. So they followed that on. And then, you know, the, uh, the two imaginary characters are, um, that were basically running through, were they angels? Were they figments? Were they, they back themselves into the corner that they had to actually make a decision on that. So they became, you know, that, uh, those spiritual elements, um, and the Starbuck character, they tried so many different ways to make her more than she was that they got to the end and he's like, what are we going to do with Starbuck? Oh, he can turn around and she can vanish. <laughs> so we don't have to answer any questions, <laughs> um, which was a bizarre sort of choice. But they backed themselves into the corner. I, I thought when they found Earth destroyed, I thought I liked that idea. 
and they could have left it there. Then mm. taking the next step of actually finding actual Earth, you know, how whatever distance in time before we come along is it was is I, I didn't think it was necessary, but they wanted to. I think they looked at it and said, we've been given the time. We want to have our goodbyes to our characters. And that whole final episode is just a goodbye to the individual characters. I mean, yeah, I mean that, 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 and that's very true because uh, again, having listened to all the sort of Ron Moore interviews and podcasts and stuff on this um, and commentaries, um, he, the, 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 the previous season with that incredibly bleak ending where they find, you know, an earth that, that 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 can't sustain life, you know, and they're all stood there on the beach looking like depressed. Yeah. They thought that they weren't going to get the funding for another season. So they had written that as an, as a possible complete yeah. dead end to the, to the series. And, and again, you know, in, in true Battlestar Galactica reimagined fashion, you know, very bleak, very dark, you know, ending on that kind of note, very risky. Um, but that's what they were going to do. But then, of course, they got picked up for a for another season. And as you've absolutely said, they wanted to sort of try and give, you know, these characters that we'd invested in and the actors had, had invested in as well um, some kind of conclusion. And I, I mean, I, I like the fact that they dealt with some of the theological elements that always had run through the show of what had happened before will will happen again. You know, that prophecy um and it kind of did and it, and it sort of explains why much of their culture was very much like our contemporary culture because essentially we ended up evolving from that which you yeah. know who knew <laughs> i mean I, I i i like the fact that you know they set. you remember they set up the opera house at the end of series yes. one and that they were able to follow through and that actually be something at the end. Yeah. When you see um, the sort of the, the original Cylons, the ones that had come from the, the destroyed Earth, um, you know, there on the, the bridge of the Battlestar in the same configuration as they were seen in the Opera House. I mean, I, I liked all that stuff. I, I did think, though, that them sort of creating our earth was a little preposterous <laughs> yeah <laughs> just a little uh, uh, just a little <laughs> because the the thing about the thing about the original series that i loved as a kid and this is just my imagination going wild but i thought somewhere out there in space there was this whole fleet that one day was going to turn up <laughs> on our doorstep that was going to be up there in the yes. sky and i was hoping there was a little bit of hope that that's what was going to happen. But that was, was what they, was going to happen with this series. Did you realise that basically the whole series came to the end with the opening lines from Star Wars? You know, a long time, long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You know, that's mm. what the end of yeah. the reimagined Battlestar Galactica was. They had come from a long, you know, a galaxy far, far away a long, long <laughs> yeah. time ago. And yes. which I, I did find, I don't know if that was an in-joke with them, but it was quite funny. It was, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I did like the ending of series three, where they they came to Earth and they found it destroyed, and I thought that was us. That was what happened to us, and that the colonies is what, you know, came from us. Became yeah. after that, yeah. yeah. That it came from us and not the other way round. Yeah. I mean, I could quite happily have them starting up a new Earth, but then to find out, well, they're our ancestors, 
I mean, that whole thing. And also, that, what a horrible ending for the, the little girl. Oh, yeah. You know, that they had they had fought f- so much over within, you know, the, lo- the last two series over to end up as just a skeleton. So, obviously, she didn't last that long no. <laughs> once they got there. No, I mean, it, it was, um, you, you know, I think it's good that they did give it a conclusion. At least it was a series that had a conclusion. Um, it's not as bad as, as some series finales, like, uh, you know, a whole nother podcast, but Lost, for example, is a complete <laughs> letdown. Uh, yeah. um, they're, they're, but, yes, they're not in purgatory. No, oh, no, they yeah. are. But, 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 but <laughs> I, I'm kind of agreeing in so much as is you, you're right. I mean, it is kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge jump to think that, uh, you know where we live today kind of evolved from that but also that the one thing i really did have a problem with was i i I was very unhappy with the starbuck conclusion um you know that just didn't really make a whole pile of sense it was kind of a bit disappointing well i didn't mind it so much because she obviously had got killed and for her to come back you know you knew something was a bit you know hinky about it you know it was it, it was one of those things where they did kind of jump the the uh, jump the shark yeah. a little i'd yeah. say because it was being so realistic and then they had this one thing where they had a character who obviously had been crushed to death by her own ship by these gravitational mm. forces and then suddenly comes back and she's in a nice new viper and everything and i've been to earth mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was all. I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the things that was quite good through the series is you did sort of feel that that none of the characters were safe, you know, because they did they did kill mm. main characters throughout the series. The other thing is, I love the whole nobody knew if they were a Cylon or not. I think that that was incredibly ballsy yeah. and yeah. risky, and um, you, you know, you know, some interesting stuff happened. But the the whole the whole Starbuck thing you know what was a little bit um you know it wasn't it didn't feel totally satisfying um and i think i think that's that is the thing with that last season um there was no there was no conclusion to what happened it's basically came back there was no real explanation Um, well she vanished and there was no real explanation which is quite quite interesting because that takes us through to the then of course they do the plan to try and tie up some of the oh, loose yeah. ends, but it doesn't really work, does it? Well, can, let, let's let's. Uh, this this is a, another topic that I, I sort of wanted to bring up, and uh, the plan is part of it. But the fact that once Battlestar Galactica was finished, that everything that came after it was never as good. Right. I mean, they tried to do Caprica, which was terrible. I mean, the plan was oh, it was awful from the point of view where we're just going to explain everything. Well, from and the not silence point of view. Yeah, it was amusing. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was quite cleverly done. It was. It was like. It was like the greatest hits, wasn't it? We'll just take bits and pieces. I mean, I I kind of watched it today just to sort of have a quick catch up on what happened in like the first two series of the show. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is the first two seasons. Yeah. And, um, you know, it it, it just follows certain characters and stuff. And it's just, I just, I remember the first time I saw it because I was quite excited to see it. Oh, to see this from the the Cylon's point of view, this could be quite good. And it it was not very good at all. It was very 
awful and the the sort of extra actors uh, characters that they weaved into this of uh, especially of the uh, woman who was married to one of the uh, Cylons to the uh, funny enough the Simon model ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was ah oh, that was that was just awful and you know the the the, the Dean Stockwell um, John uh, yeah. Cylon that was on, who was on the Galactica. I mean, he was just, oh, you know, he just kept complaining most of the time. Oh, I just can't get anything to work. You know, all these, all these other Cylons I use to try and sort of bring down the the fleet and the the Battlestar. It's just they just keep fucking up. They just keep letting me down. It's just like oh, for it God's was almost sake. like it was just trying to be too cool for the room, really, wasn't it? And uh, it didn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it you know it was nice to see more. It was nice to see some things from a different point of view. But was it really necessary? Not really. No, um, you it know, a- it no. It kind no. of now the thing with Caprica to come on to that <laughs> is what you see the problem. The problem Caprica had was essentially that was two television series that they decided to merge. Okay, what what had happened is. Ron Moore and David Icke had wanted to do, um, uh, y- y- you know, this prequel series for for Galactica um, and, you know, the evolution of the Cylons. And um, at the same time, another producer called Remy Arkakan was, was trying to do this series about virtual reality. And what they decided to do was the network decided to take both of those shows and get Ron and those guys together or together in the writing room and they sort of combined it. So essentially one of the problems, I mean, I think Caprica did a lot of really cool things, especially expanding on the sort of religious aspects and the society aspects uh, of, of what happened before Battlestar, but, and, and also the, some of the Cylon stuff, but the problems it had is you had this whole sort of, um, you know, virtual net thing, virtual reality kind of thing woven in as well and uh and trying to bring the daughter back and you know putting her in the cylon and y- y- yeah that was all a bit uh, you know eric stoltz was great but you know um but the, 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 they had a main problem at, from the get-go and the fact is the backstory is just not as interesting as the main story i think the reason why a lot of these um sort of uh in spin-off shows didn't work is because the the main idea of Battlestar Galactica is a great one, and everything else is not. So, the you know how the Cylons were created, really not that interesting. Uh, what the first Cylon War that could have been good. I mean, when they did Blood and Chrome, yeah. uh, when they were following a young uh, Adama, could have been good. Mm. But again, it just again it was it wasn't that interesting because they they still. F- <sighs> It was this weird thing because they were still trying to set up Battlestar Galactica. They were trying to set up things which didn't make any sense because, you know, uh, because there was things that happened in between the war and, you know, the events of what happened in the series. And it again, it's just it, it's just not as interesting as, you know, that storyline. You know, the, no, you're just repeating it, isn't it? It's like you tell us. You're just saying the same thing. I mean, it's like here's another here's another war with the silence. Okay, it's an earlier war. Excellent, thanks. <laughs> um, you know, this is how we created the silence. Well, well, I sort of got that when you said, yeah. you know, you told me how you created them. You know, in a few lines. I don't need to see 
this happen you know yeah. and i i'm not particularly interested in society and you know uh right caprica because capra has blown up it's gone you know who cares um it, it, yeah and also the the other thing as well was uh, was connecting uh, the adama family to the cylons it's that it's a case of that small universe problem yeah. that you know star wars suffers yeah. from i mean the the fact is there's more there's more people outside the, Sc the skywalker family than there is you know and with Battlestar Galactica, uh, you know, the Dharma family. But that, oh, particularly as there were supposed I mean, to be 12 colonies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All, kind of... all different, yeah. But that, that yeah. was the problem. That, that was always the problem with uh, um, this sort of series is people go, well, what happened then? And, you know, what happened before? What happened after? What happened in between? You know, and people ask those questions and you go, well, things. You know, to actually explain them, to show them. There's not enough substance in there to actually tell a story. You'd have to go so far away from the original story that it becomes a completely different story, you know. Um, yeah. Mm. And, and then wow. it work that way, but they don't. I mean, going back to the end of the reimagined Battlestar, which is <laughs> one that really does my head in, okay? Um, all the way through the last season, yeah, um, more and more you get hundreds and hundreds of number sixes and boomers and filling Galactica, fixing stuff and painting stuff on and things like that. You know, it's like, um, and both of them have shown this propensity to like humans, you know, stuff like that. It's like, what did they do with them? What happened to them? There was hundreds, if not thousands of them. Oh, that's right, when they got to Earth. Yeah, yeah I, I, I definitely, I'd, I'd take one of the How number six see? models home for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, everywhere they went on the ship further they got into that season there was more of them everywhere yeah <laughs> it's like they were taking over god this well but that was that was because they were trying to turn the Battlestar into a base star weren't they because there was the whole problem with the uh, that Battlestar galactica oh, was not, actually I, falling I apart understand that, but it's yeah. like setting up it's like you know it's, yeah, they they did disappear at the end, didn't they? <laughs> Especially when they landed on the planet, there was what about they showed about 100, 150 people max, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I think it's fair to say that that you know the the last season, you know, nice as it was that they 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 you know gave some some of the, our beloved characters some sort of conclusion, but. You know, the last season for me was the the, the weakest of the of the run, um, for sure. You know, the quality bar had always been really high, mm. and I just think that trying to end something that 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 where the bar is set that high is 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 often going to lead to disappointment. Possible. <laughs> Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I personally, I quite, I, I, I thought season four was very good, and I thought it was, it was kept at the same level as um, the other seasons. I mean, I've, I mean, I, after watching the original run of it, I have gone back and I've watched them all back to back, and I thought the season four was the, the, you know, conclusion of that, and I thought it did very well. It wasn't like a, a like the season four of Babylon Five. <laughs> Which yeah. was an absolute mess, yeah. and just you know, it, it it was just they didn't know what to do, and sort of near the end, and and by then we knew that that was it. They were they were finishing, so they 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 started something that they couldn't conclude, and, and it was such yeah. a yeah. I mean, and and they also had the same problem where they they had these TV movies where 
you know they just it, it, they were never as good as the main series no but again it's you babylon 5 is another series which was constructed on a very small idea you know and then they decided to take it out to creation of the universe and warring warring uh, super alien factions you know that they just turned around these you know could wipe out whole star systems and turn around and said no we've had enough of you go away and they did you know thought but why <laughs> you know it's so really <laughs> simplistic you know we've decided that we don't want you around okay bye <laughs> Well, they, this is this is the problem that they they didn't know if they were going to be renewed for another series, so they wrapped up those yeah. storylines because they wrapped up the uh, the Shadow War and also the War on Earth, and so they they did. So that I mean that final series was was brilliant. I mean actually it was five series, not four. So that the end of that fourth series, brilliant, wonderful ending, and that's where they should have left it, but. No, they they carried on and they tried to introduce like um, the whole thing with the psychics and um, the sort of uh, these sh shadow characters that had been working with yeah, the shadows and now we're trying to you know yeah, yeah. yeah. it's 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 the Hollywood yeah. cash cow you know it's going to oh. happen but yeah. I mean <laughs> well it was the TV cash cow yeah but 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 you know back 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 to Galactica the 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 thing with you know, for me, Blood and Chrome, it was really missing Ron Moore's touch, I thought. And I thought what they'd done in Razor with the, um, you know, we're, always, we're talking fondly about Razor, but what they'd done with the uh, Cylon War flashbacks and young Adama in that was so much better than what they did in Blood and Chrome. Um, and interestingly, yes. you know, a bit like mirroring the original series, whereas we talked about the fact that they had... Um, uh, got rid of most of the sets and uh you know for galactica 1980 they they just had to sort of recreate adama's um quarters and stuff and then set everything else on earth um this was it, you know even though i don't think blood and chrome ultimately worked because it was like a web series um but what was quite clever and quite interesting is it was apart from props and costumes and a few lighting effects everything else on it was completely virtual right all of the sets and and the a lot of the characters were were completely virtual in that show um which we you know which was very clever but i just think overall it didn't particularly add do anything know, do you know why they could do that um, because it's a lot of very expensive effects on that but they could do that because sci-fi bought the rights to make that was working with the company who was producing the online Galactica, uh, Bastard Galactica Battleworld, um, that you can still go online and play if you feel like it. Um, so a lot of the actual uh, um, design work in that was crossover between the two. So they had a lot of the ship designs, a lot of the uh, um, interiors, a lot of the uh, um, effects and things like that that were being designed for an online game. Um, and it was also, you have to remember, that was a web series. You know, sci-fi yeah. designed it to be a web series. It was, was it 10-minute episodes? Something remember. like yeah. that, yeah. yeah, so right. yeah. That, I think that shows in the actual storytelling itself because if you break it down to the 10-minute things, they're little snippets of story, you know, um, all on their own. So they're little standalones. And sticking them all together, the story still builds, but it's very weak, Um and it's 
I don't know. It's it, it was again. It was just another another production company wanting to make their buck out of it, um, which was a shame because you know I think there was opened to something along that that you know a little a little bit more thought, a little bit better writing, a little bit uh, um, a little bit more time. You know, they sort of did it really quickly, washed their hands of it, and then forgot about it. Well, I don't think it. I don't think it did very well either. I don't think there was much of a market for it. I mean, I mean, the thing was that they released the Battlestar Galactica miniseries before shooting the main mm-hmm. series, so there was they 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 sort of they were sort of you know hedging their oh, bets. I mean, yeah. I I I mean, I I actually I actually bought the miniseries on on DVD. I mean, I didn't see it on TV. I bought it on DVD. So, me too. You know, I think from 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 fans buying it on DVD, it showed that there was a marketplace for it that people wanted to see a, this new reimagining. And uh, I mean, they and they've delivered with that TV series. I mean, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, but then even the first season yeah. was only twelve episodes. Um, you know, for the first season because they 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 just kept playing it safe and. Well, I say playing it safe. They weren't playing it safe. They were taking big risks. But what I mean is, they they were they were starting small and and expanding out rather than like they did with the first series. Put all of their money or the, the the original series, should I say? Put all of their money into the you know the massive uh, you know spectacle of the three hour pilot, and then have to sort of recycle everything for the rest of the show. <laughs> so you, you know, it was it was. Uh, that they they were they use their smarts in terms of doing that and um definitely you know yeah. my hats off to ron Moore big time you, you know s- you said when we started talking about the reimagining you look at the first episode they chose the first episode which was 33 it's pretty amazing one best sci-fi episodes of all time across any series you i would know, agree with that so yeah. much energy so much going on um you know um i know a lot of it revolved around you know the baltar paranoia which was both funny and disturbing at the same time. Um, but well, again, whole- that was really imaginative. I mean, the whole, again, we, we see this a lot in shows now, but the whole sort of um, head six idea, you know, with, 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 with it being part of Baltar's imagination and him having conversations with it and all of this sort of thing, that was all very, very clever and very creative. And, um, you, you, you know, I, I think those sort of elements of the show as well really worked to to make it so enjoyable you know i I think so as well especially if you look at the uh the elements of the actual uh cylons being able to download their personalities into a new body as well i thought was was something that you you know they're basically machines so why couldn't they download themselves why couldn't they um which made when we went to the end of the uh you know, the end of the uh, miniseries and they're in the, uh, the space station in the nebula and the guy can't communicate with the uh, resurrection ships and the radiation's killing him, made that character and that event much more, you know, much more intense, much more, you know, it's, he's having to deal with, you know, mortality all of a sudden, which was, which was interesting, an interesting element of it. Because they hadn't had to be with mortality. I was just going to say, well, I mean, the thing though is that only uh, they were only able to download into the new new bodies via death. Uh, they could that was the only way they could, uh, you know, 
to, to, to download themselves. They couldn't do it at will. They had to, oh, you know, that death was sort of, this, and then again, yeah. it's, it's, it's still that thing of, you know, why would I download, download myself? You know, if I, you know, if I was damaged enough anyway, I mean, I just, you can only take so much complexity, as you said before, about uh, saying elements mm. of sci-fi, you know. Yeah. You can yeah. only go so far. And it was a very simple concept, which means that you could play with the mortality thing when you got rid of a resurrection ship or you block. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That was quite yeah. interesting. And again, comes back to, you know, their one god, um, which was another element um, which I found quite interesting, you know. Um, it's it's, it's sure. Yeah, it's sort of an oddity in some respects that um, you had such kind of strong character. Number number six was such a strong character in some elements, and then really weak in others. Um, trying to give them human traits when there were none to start with, you know, it's like it was quite interesting. They would have to work that out for themselves, and you would watch them work it out for themselves. You know, and I thought that was quite interesting. So you saw growth and change and experience in characters, especially when you suddenly got the switch and number six had a bolter in her head, which was just, which, mm. you know, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I thought that was a nice switch up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when you think about what this has also inspired, because, like, for example, um, a show I've really enjoyed this this past season is 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 what they've done with Westworld. And you think about it, definitely a lot of the, the, the stuff that they've done in this show with the Cylons has kind of inspired, you, you know, what they've done in expanding the sort of Westworld film into, into you know, the series that they've made. And, uh, you, you know, I, th- I think that this definitely does have a legacy um, across television drama, um, you, you know, whether it be from changing genders of characters through to um you, you know story subplots and you know all of those elements i think that this show um actually you know has pushed a lot of boundaries and inspired a lot of things since i think it has yeah definitely i mean i, I think mm. that sci-fi influencing um reality as well it used to be sci-fi writers that would influence reality as well. But then if you went through the 70s and into the 80s, TV started to take on that role as well. I mean, take something like The Bionic Man, you know. Um, it was an inspiration for um, NASA guys to work on uh, um, biomechanics. Um, and now you have people who can have a, a bionic hand, a bionic arm, you know. Um, you talk about Battlestar Galactica was... Uh, the actual push again to cybernetics, which is basically what, you know, the silent are, you know, and now we have companies working on cybernetic uh, um, organisms, basically, you know, part machine, part biological. It's, it's quite interesting that influences that way. And Battlestar Galactica, again, has influenced not just shows and TV, but, you know, the reality in which we live. It's yeah. quite, quite interesting. Life imitating art and vice versa. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, isn't it? You know, the satellites were the creation of three sci-fi writers. You know, nobody had thought of it before. And, and, yeah, it's it's quite an interesting. You know, it's quite an interesting world now that um, literature used to be a big, you know, a big uh, talking point about ideas and things like that. And now, I mean, as you said earlier, Battlestar Galactica took drama to another level another level of 
production quality, of acting quality, of writing quality, but also of ideas. Um, and I think that's the thing, is the, the ideas within the show were exceptional. You know, they could talk about things that are going on, you know, now, but at the time, you know, they're still going on, you know, religious problems, political problems, you know, um, oppression, where, you know, all the different things, gender problems, you know, so many things can be looked at. Um, I, I think it's just interesting that if you look at Caprica as well, Caprica, even though it was a mix of two shows, tried to do that as well. It tried to look at choices, you know. Mm. Were, you know well, you had that the society side. I mean, you had, you know, the uh, the same-sex marriage stuff and all that going on in Caprica, didn't you? So, artificial, again, it was, you know. Artificial intelligence doing, you know, when do we say enough's enough? You know, is there a danger? You know, you, you come back to Asimov and uh, iRobot and the, uh, you know, the, the three laws. It's things are... Things that are interconnected and ideas. I mean, I think that's um, the thing that's enjoyable about, um, I think, apart from uh, um, 1980, the Bastard Galactica, there were some really nice ideas, you know, about in different things, different, you know, different elements of, of society now. But also, you know, it's storytelling. It, it has a different platform for storytelling. You know, you could take it out of now and discuss real things um and uh, it just gives it an energy and it gives it a life I, I think you know unfortunately shows still age you know and 10 years time we may look back at you know our, uh, the reimagining and go oh they were naive you know it's, you know it's as we look back at the original Bastard Glatt and say they were a bit naive about this a bit naive about that you know there was you know there were still gender issues uh, um, in the original Bastard Galactica, which they tried to resolve, you know, female pilots. What are you talking about? That's outrageous. Um, it's, it's quite quite an interesting sort of universe to explore things in. Um, I think that's why Battlestar Galactica sort of um, ages in some respects. You know, that environment, that world that was created, it gives you a lot of scope. I mean, you know, unlike a Star Wars, which, you know, doesn't really discuss much, you know, got almost close with Rogue One, but um most of it's so much unreality you know um and star trek's always pushed some reality isn't it but Battlestar, i think much more human yeah but there's room for all of it i just i i, I just want to say before before we end that uh if it wasn't for the wire i don't think the reimagining of Battlestar galactica would have been the way it was a lot of a lot of the shows we we watch now, the ones that have a uh, overarching uh, storyline, that uh, a story continues from one to the other, uh, it all sort of leads back to the wire. And I think, you know, without the wire, it's you know shows like this wouldn't have been able to to go ahead. We would have had like it would have become like a Star Trek or like the original Battlestar Galactica that it was stories that were only you know dealt with within an episode a self-contained episode and then they would move on to the Definitely. next one i mean i think you're right it's the wire's a good example of uh, um let's make this grittier darker and you know actually finding an audience you know i think uh, when they made some the wire they were surprised that it was so popular, you know because it did it, it got picked mm. up around the world you know it, and it did yeah. really really well and it was dark so dark and again 
you know um you know Balstar it was another level I don't think you can look at Balstar it was it was not just the darkness and you know the great storylines the great writing you know it, it was uh, um production values took a step up yeah and it, and and it's it, it's a show that you have to watch from beginning to end because you just can't dip into it do you want to say that um when i uh i first got married um uh, the uh Battlestar galacticus all came out um on dvd mm-hmm. just a box set um so i gave them to either to watch um and she watched all of them uh, um within about three weeks uh, back to back it's all she watched and she doesn't mm-hmm. like sci-fi, you know she doesn't sci-fi is not really her thing she doesn't enjoy most sci-fi um, but it shows what good storytelling what great character, yeah you know? exactly sci- sci-fi was the backdrop it was essentially you know, a drama with lots of action and visuals and all that in as well. And, um, you, you know, it, it really is one of those series that, 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 you know, was, was, was early on in the, in the binge watching, um, days, you know, <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> an enjoyable binge watch it is. Yes. And I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> so say uh, we all. So, <laughs> <laughs> by your command <laughs> it's yours actually <laughs> yes so um alex um where's a, a good place to to find your work are you like on social uh, media very rarely these days um there'll be a few <laughs> things going up soon just finishing editing our uh a sure little horror um which keith was in okay which is uh yeah it's just a little different um, shot a little differently um, but yeah it's looking quite amusing uh, for a horror <laughs> um, but yeah no, um, I don't know uh, maybe something on uh, Amazon Kindle book soon cause I'm, I'm still working on a couple of sci-fi novels that are doing quite well as in amount written so far um, well, well done but uh, yeah, no, that's about it at the moment. Um, we'll see what this year brings. Uh, some new projects. Um, so, what are you guys up to? Uh, still trying to finish my feature. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's just a long and winding road at the moment to get it finished. It's the independent way, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, I always I always look back and. Uh, when I think about independence and think of Peter Jackson and uh, um, Bad Pace, you know, that was eight years of his life mm. for his first feature. Um, you know, he was shot on, was it four or five different cameras? Um, you know, and, you know, with mates. That was quite an amazing achievement. But, it was, you know, it's doable. It can take time. Yeah. You know? Oh, um, I, I know. I mean, we're it, it, it's getting closer and closer to the end, so... That is something I am. I'm looking forward to the day when it's finished, and I can uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can move on to something else. Right. But like the premium, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's one of these things when you're working on a project for a long time, it does become like a, a rock around your neck a bit, and uh, <laughs> it's you know it's a labour of 
<laughs> well, it, you know, it has been. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it should, I sh- it should be finished and it should be out there. And uh, it's kind of like just, just situation at the moment, really. It's the only thing that's kind of stopping me from finishing it. So, yeah. But it, it's coming along. How about you, Keith? What are you up to? <laughs> oh, well, the standard answer. Uh, there, there's multiple projects in various stages of development. <laughs> I think that's the way to say it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, st- st- still uh, still um, loving and inspired by, you know, movies and TV shows, etc. And, uh, you know, doing a day job, but would obviously love to do... Uh, to do those things as well as 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 a job someday but um we live in hope right <laughs> indeed indeed so i think i think we should definitely i think we should definitely dedicate this uh this episode to richard hatch and glenn a larson and all of the people that uh, over the years have been involved in in bringing us battlestar galactica for sure definitely Indeed. Yeah, love of my life is <laughs> uh, But um, f- so, Alex, thanks so much for uh, coming on the episode and uh, and joining us in our talking about this. Thank you, Alex. Invite. <laughs> I knew it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a thank you to you, the listener, for uh, for joining us for this uh, uh, special episode and. Uh, you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. You can listen to this podcast on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all good podcast providers. Um, do leave us a, a rating and a review. Uh, it all helps. And uh, join us again for our next episode of the podcast. who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens.